so Mike, we're waiting for uh, our other buddy, Mike. You're Bongo Mike, and do we call Yerky Mike, or is it Yerky still Yerky? It's Yerky to me. Yeah. <laughs> you could even say you could even say Jerky, but I don't think he'd appreciate that. <laughs> nah, he's still he's still chill. Last time I talked to him, he he did a show, and it was during COVID, and we're you know we were talking about uh, all the crap that's going down. Now I think he's. I think he's doing okay, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I think he's good. He's probably thinking retirement soon. He's probably got so much money stocked away, he doesn't need to work. Well, we can set up a GoFundMe for for all of us. Yeah. So, Duff, while we're waiting for Mike, you got any festivals coming up that you want to uh, have us promote on here? I know it's February. Uh, you, you yeah. Grove, strawberry, you know. Yeah, Long Grove Chocolate Fest is coming up. That's our probably our first one of the year, which That's is in uh, May, right? Yeah. So it's chocolate um, and strawberry fest. There's strawberry is in June. Strawberries in June. Okay. Apple in September. Bongo Mike knows my calendar. I don't. I don't know my own calendar. <laughs> we, we we had the pleasure of playing it a couple of times. Really a great festival, well laid out. Um, easy, easy access to the stage and everything. So yeah, it's it's evolved over the years. We've uh, we took it over, I think, in 2014 or 15. When we took it over, it didn't used to be on both sides of fully fully built out on both sides of Old McHenry. And RPC wasn't shut down on the other side of Old McHenry. And we kind of like made a lot of changes and brought in a bigger stage and got better bands and kind of evolved. All right, here he is. I knew we wouldn't leave us hanging. What if he's got a suntan? I'll start giving him shit in one second. Yerky, yerky, yerky. L.A. Mike. We'll call him L.A. Mike. Oh, recording in progress. How you doing? Oh, yeah. Hot mic, hot mic. All right. Hold on. (laughs) Let me close my door. I didn't know I was being recorded. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, Duff? Pete, what's happening? Michael what's up, Yerky? How are you? We got you're not, our... you're, not, you're not you're not filming this, are you? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You want me to put, I gotta in put a some pants on then? Yeah. <laughs> I got an old China Club photo I can put in for you. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That, I... that, I'm much younger then. Yeah. <laughs> I got my partner uh Bongo Mike with me. So Bongo, okay. I say hello to Michael Yerke, hereby known as Yerke. Yeah. How and... are you, Bongo? Where <laughs> How's are it you? going? <laughs> nice to meet you, Michael. There you are. All right. There you are. All right. All right. Very good. Yeah, same. Okay. So the show starts somewhere somewhere around here. Uh, welcome to Hog Pod with, of course, Bongo Mike and two special, very, very, very special guests. Duff Rice and Michael Yerke. Michael Yerke, Duff Rice, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Oh, me. thank you. I can't speak for Duff, you know, for me. Sure. <laughs> I'm somewhat <laughs> thankful. Yeah. So, so Duff Rice, Duff Entertainment, Double D, uh, Chicagoland. If you want a decent tribute band, you go to Duff. Michael Yerke, <laughs> Live Nation, House of Blues. What's the fancy title now, Mike? Uh, well, at this point, since the pandemic, my role and title has changed. So now I'm working in the global touring team. So I'm not overseeing House of Blues uh, or any of our clubs and theater any longer. I'm just working on 
global tours uh with artists um Just. you know whether it's here north america overseas wherever it may be so bongo mike how we know these guys back in the day when early 90s when chicago was happening duff you and said it's I... not happening now or you say it's not <laughs> happening now <laughs> but back then i mean that was kind of at least that's what i tell everybody on this show i mean that was yeah kind of a special thing you, you you had uh, Seattle doing its thing, and then you had Chicago doing its thing. I'm going to throw out some names here. And, you know, I played football, guys, a little CTE, but mm-hmm. you, you had Material Issue, God Rest His Soul, Jim Ellison. You had Urge Overkill, Overkill, Smashing Pumpkins. You had all that stuff, you know, happening. And you had uh, a overglorified uh, bar manager, and uh, assistant manager <laughs> trying to figure out how to put in Johnny Cash into the <laughs> cubby bear. <laughs> and, and because of uh, Yerky, Yerky, you're, I'm trying to think. It was it was China Club before Cubby Bear, right? Correct. China yeah, yeah, yeah. How, yeah. How, how, so I, I was I, at, yeah. My, the quick and dirty is I was yeah. at Avalon. Um, I was at Avalon. We were doing pretty well there. The China Club had opened and had been open for some amount of time. I don't know if it was three months, six months, a year. I'm not sure. But they weren't quite getting artists they thought they should get. We were doing pretty well at Avalon. They were thinking, hey, how's this smaller, probably less localized venue um, getting these shows? So I went to China Club, worked there for a year or two. I'm not sure exactly. Um and that was a lot of fun for a while, uh, working with Tony Batoy, who booked all the show, all the artists in the dance room, because there was a couple different rooms in there. And then um, they had a different management company come in and take over uh, China Club. And they really wanted to make it just more of a dance club and weren't really interested in the live music part. So uh, we parted ways. And then I had done a show with George Clinton at, I think this was the gateway drug into Cubby where yeah. Cubby bear. <laughs> I'd done a show with George Clinton at, um, at China club and the agent uh, who I'm pretty sure was Bruce Solar at the time said, Hey, do you want to do the next show? I know where to go with it. And so it ended up at Cubby bear. And t- I think Tony and I did that show together uh, at Cubby bear. And anyway, led me into Cubby Bear and I had met George because in college I worked at Gill Park and ran the gym and stuff. And so I'd met George through that and I had a team in the league and he had a team in the league. Uh, George, and, George, George Lucas owner of the Cubby Bear, right? Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so that's, how I think how memory serves, how I got into, uh, in, in with Cubby Bear and Duff and you and, and that whole crew. Duff, you have a much better memory. How did <laughs> How did all this go? Because, look, I just graduated college, and uh, next thing I know, it's New Year's Eve, and I'm, I forgot who was there, but BB King or somebody like crazy like that in there, and I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know if you were there yet, Duff, but I was trying to figure out how to get things going. Didn't know my ass from my my elbow, and you had Cubs post game being let out. And then you had to make your money in 90 minutes, clear everything up, and then you get ready for another big-ass show, you know, to to come in. How did you start and come in there and work your way up? Because, I mean, you – seriously, you are America, dude. You started – you worked your all the yeah. way 
I was cleaning toilets there and, and getting fired by George's uh, dad, Gus, um, every <laughs> other day. Um, Gus did not like me and fired me multiple times. And uh, he would tell me to go in the alley and wait until George would come back. And then George would come back and hire me back. Um, and Yerky doesn't remember all, all, all how it really went down. He he was calling me, begging me for a place to put George Clinton, and I, <laughs> I, so that's that's how it really went down. And then uh, somehow, you know, he talked me into hiring him. So that that's really how it went down. <laughs> I like that revisionist history. Oh, there's yeah. more. There's more crap to put on this dumpster fire. Oh, okay, we uh, Watnitz. Jeff Quatnitz. Oh, geez. Uh, he was Jeff and Jeff and Peter were there before I was there. So okay, that would so yeah. you, you and Duff will need to reminisce on that part. Uh, <laughs> I, my um, term there did not overlap with them. No, that was before that. Was so, yes. So, Duff, you remember that? Or did yeah, you- I was bar backing back then, and Brad Altman and Quatnitz and yeah. Cassis were booking the place and then um Brad took a photo in the hot tub for the Pole Star venue of the year and uh George fired him the next day, which was <laughs> freaking classic. And then next thing I know is like Pete's like, Hey, can you book bands? And I'm like, Oh my my brother is in a band. Uh okay, so let's do it. <laughs> and that's literally what happened. And uh Yeah. I we- just was winging it. I remember uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Yerky, you mentioned him, Bruce Solar. I called yeah. Bruce about a band. I can't remember what it was. And he's like, well, send me an offer. And back then, you know, I'm typing it up on like a a, a typewriter and faxing it to him. And yeah. he calls me up and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this, this is not an offer. Like, so he sends me an example of an offer. And he's like, this is what I need. So that's how I learned. Like I was learning the hard way of like what to do. But yeah, Bruce Solar will help me out. No, no, the hard way. Because we have local acts, local venues, the Chicagoland area are watching this. Here's the hard part. The next day when you booked an expensive stinker, that's hard. Oh, man. Well, as I remember it, I'm I'm going to see what, I'm going to hear how Duff remembers those ones. What was that uh, the Jamaican bobsled team act? Well, the the funny one, the funny one, yeah, cool runnings. We lost our ass on that. Um, but the funny one was he would have like George would have these spotters in coming in at night, and, and it's like his buddies. And if they didn't like the band, you'd hear about it the next day. And remember, Pete, we did dollar drinks on Tuesday night. And I had Dave Matthews, very first show in Chicago. There probably was almost 200 people on a Tuesday night for Dave Matthews' band. And because whoever George's friend didn't like the band, he called me down in the office and, like, ring me a new asshole because he didn't like Dave Matthews' band. And that was, like, in February. And by the end of that year, they were headlining, like, you know, Tinley Park Theater. And I I remember ripping out the ad and putting it on his desk and, like, here, fucker. (laughs) That was two hundred and fifty dollars, and right yeah. after, then right after that, because you know we're trying to figure out how to you know give the beer away, and hopefully that the, you'll make the money off of the girls because they won't drink drink or eat. And uh, you you did that one, and then Gwen Stefani, right? Yeah, no doubt. You know, Rusted Roots first play, like a lot of stuff on those dollar nights that we had. We had a lot of really good bands in there, but like you wouldn't know it if you talked to George Lucas. Um, 
George's still around, still ornery as hell, and he's going to watch us and laugh his ass off because he know he knows it's all true. Everybody's got to do a tour there, and you're working your way through. Remember the Oak Theater, Duff? Oh boy, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. Going. Those were good times. And then Michael, yeah. Uh, so you, I knew uh, of the Oak, but I had nothing to do with the Oak. You had nothing to do with it. Okay, that was. No. Uh, that was I like, knew of it though. I I knew of it. I think I went there once, but I I never I I didn't do any business there. When it, when it had the dancers or after that? Never none. Mind. None. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you worked your way up, and what people don't understand is you uh, because now you have Facebook groups and you have all this stuff, and let's just say like uh, Yerky, I don't know if you know Ron Onesti. He's He's, I know who he is. Yeah, oh, he, yeah. He, he's a fellow uh, Weber high grad. Oh, God, that's right. You did go to Weber. Yeah, yeah. Thank God they just shut that thing down. No. But he, <laughs> he's got these, you know, groups going, and then he's got everybody popping off names. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do more of that? Because you lose your ass, and it's easier to do tribute bands. This is George Lucas thinking. Right. <laughs> Duff, do covers. Just do covers. <laughs> right? yeah so, risk is lower th yeah well the reward might be not be as big either it all depends right i mean getting back to cuppy bear venue of the year 92 91 guys, 91 you guys all had a hand in that okay i i didn't have a hand in that you had that, a hand in it. i was not working there yet i that was, I was working at china club and i do recall seeing the picture and then hearing about the the fallout after that but i i was not I, there then i helped develop a uh, inventory control system with pete um around that time frame and i'll take credit for that stuff <laughs> i mean you could count a bottle inventory you own a bar doing inventory it's got to be a lot easier now with all the electronics but so yeah. now what what is the difference between cuz this particular show we got local tribute bands and cover bands and i've learned that the two are different don't call one a cover don't call one a tribute they're all different like bongo mike here with the mosquitoes working their way up getting something going you two guys worked your way up to get at the top top of your fields what advice can you give to these these bands that are working and and and, and trying to make it big because everybody wants to be a a rock star but not a lot of people want to you know, commit, you know, all in and don't have the talent. Open to advice. If if they're looking to be in a cover band or a, or a tribute act, I don't know what, I mean, to me, that would seem like you, and it's not a bad thing, by the way, some people make, you know, there's bands like Australian Pink Floyd and, and others like that, that make a real nice living, have a real good business, but generally, you know, a lot don't fall into that category. Um, the advice there is, you know, you, you may be looking because you, you have a passion for playing, but it's not your primary source of income, but you still love playing music. And that's a great thing. And it's cool. And there's lots of opportunities, you know, whether it's things like some things that Duff does, whether it's street fairs or whatever, there's always a, a place for it. Um, I don't know if, if in those situations, most of those folks are really putting forth the effort to becoming a big act. Um, and that's not a bad, again, not saying that's bad, but right. if you want to become a big act, that's probably not the direction you go because there's only so many hours in a day. So what are you committing your time to? So I'm kind of know. throwing uh, attention towards our buddy, Taylor Swift, you know, she, they committed, they went to Nashville and 
I just know Taylor Swift from the Super Bowl, guys. But sure, yeah, she, <laughs> she went there to do. Co- <laughs> she went there to do covers and worked and did whatever. Yeah. and then you know, I think she actually flew from Asia to there and then flew back a couple of days later. Oh, but, she's um, the guy that's dating uh, uh, Travis Kelsey. Now yeah. I know who you're talking about. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, Look, I mean, in terms of artists that want to be big, I mean, I think when I talk to people at times, it's not radically different than trying to become a professional athlete, meaning there's a really like small percentage that are going to make a living at it, right? I mean, there's so many great basketball players, like just look at college, right? And you go, there's 60 guys that are getting drafted each year. And of those 60, maybe 15 to 20 actually make it on on the big team and the other, you know, 30 to 35 are in the G league or worse, right. Or, or not worse or are playing in Europe. Right. So it's just really hard to get there. And I think it's the same thing. Similar with artists is that there's a lot of great artists in, and sometimes it comes down to timing, right time, right time. The kind of music you're playing, is it starting to become in vogue? But I think at the end of the day, you have to have great music slash songs. And if you don't have that, you can have all the social media and all kind of stuff going on, but it's hard to really make a dent, you know? So I think you, you got to have great music. And so that some people are just tremendously gifted, but even those that are tremendously gifted, they still have, they still work their butts off. Um, I mean, I see it firsthand with an artist that I've been working with over the last couple of years, Noah Khan, who went from, and you know, from playing thousand to 2000 cap venues last year, to the final date of the tour we had in, in North America was at American Airlines Arena in Dallas. And he had played House of Blues Dallas in February of that year. Um, and, and I've spent a lot of time with him. I was in, in Australia with him for about 10 days in, um, in middle of January. And the guy just works. He really works. He's a great guy, number one. He's a great songwriter. And he just works hard and he's got a great team around him and he's really seizing the moment. I'm really happy for him that he's having all the success that he's having because he deserves it. But, you know, he's a great songwriter. First and foremost, the songs are fantastic and they're connecting with fans. And then his team around him is doing a great job of helping him grow his audience. His, and then his shows are great and people want to come see him. And so all that builds upon itself. But at the end of the day, you have to have great music um, or else it's very hard to break through. Yeah. And then Duff, Chicagoland, you, what, what advice do you have for the bands that are coming through or even a, a club owner that's trying to bring somebody through, you know, to get things going? Because it, it's hard to, I'm just throwing out 16 candles. I, I don't even know what they get paid anymore. I believe I was one of the first people to buy into them, Duff. Wasn't I that career builder or something? Yeah, yeah, I convinced you on that one to to finally <laughs> give it a shot. It worked out. But that's a good example, though. I mean, each those guys have been doing it for over 20 years. To, to Michael's point, they put in the, the time. 20 years later, they're still going really strong, and they practice religiously. They're always practicing. They're learning new songs. And everybody cares about each other and you buy into it. They've changed members for people who don't buy into the, the, to the whole program. To Michael's point, the work ethic, you got to be there, committed to each other, committed to the program. And that's a band. Each guy is making well over 100K, well over 100K. They're, they're probably each making about 150K a year. And they have been for probably 15 years now. And they're still going strong. And they're all making good, a good living at it. But it's about the commitment, you know, and and. 
you know, finding the the right idea and 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 then being good at what you do and committing to it and staying on top of your game throughout the whole process. It's a team effort on the marketing side. Bongo Mike, I'm doing all the yapping here. Uh, <laughs> You're doing a good job. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just taking it all in. It's all good advice. I mean, we've been together for 24 years, but you know, we all got day jobs and it's not our full-time thing. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, and we're, we're covers, we're not, you know, we're not doing anything original. We're not writing our own music, but uh, you know, we've done well in terms of getting booked on the street fests and uh, you know, the various uh, clubs and venues uh, we're playing Joe's and Rosemont on Friday night. So I'm pretty psyched about getting on a big stage and opening up for uh, Pink Floyd tribute band called in the flesh but uh that's about all i want to do i really don't want to i don't want to do 100 gigs you know a year i got a full-time job you know i got a wife i got other commitments you know so if, uh, last year i think i did somewhere in the 55 gig range you know that's plenty well you also yeah. got to be a fan mike bongo man you go you go to more shows i, I mean <laughs> he he has gone to every venue in the Chicagoland area, seen every new band that's coming up, and uh, has m more energy than uh, I, in his little pinky <laughs> that I got him. But, but but that's why he's here. But it's 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 the love of it, right? You oh, know, yeah. uh, the thrill of uh, let's just say Duff, uh, the thrill of and 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 Michael Yerke. The thrill of you got an empty place, you got money on the line, you did your homework, pole star, whatever that's worth, and you say, "All right, I'm going to put this money down." WXRT, XRT still means something out there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna punt to Duff on that. Duff, <laughs> we can I don't know. Uh, terrestrial, terrestrial radio is is hanging on by a thread. Uh, they yeah. don't have the pull they used to, but. They still they still are able to leverage relationships and acts with the labels and stuff because it's a curated platform that 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 people still look to. Um, but I think the days are getting yeah. numbered on how much pull and leverage they have to actually pull things together. So if you're a if you're a club owner, you say, all right, uh, Duff, Double D, that's part of part of your world, correct? Double D productions. Yeah. OK, Double D booking. Double D booking. Okay. And a club owner, I mean, will you just take any club owner? Well, we're Double D is an agent. We represent the bands. We're not talent buyers. Yeah. Um, so, and I really, honestly, am only on by name only in the business yeah, right, side of right. things. Dave, but, Dave and Josh do all the, the yeah. agents for the company. So we have like over 100 bands, you know, that we work with. And Josh and Dave, um, kind of, you know, they represent the band. So if a, if a club owner or a talent buyer or bar owner or whatever wants good music, they reach out to me or whatever. And I put them in touch with Josh and Dave and then, and they help them get. Well, you started that thing. I know name only. And I, yeah. did, and I would have talked to yeah. Josh. I, fun I funnel the business there, but I don't really do much day to day there yeah. anymore. I, I, I pretty much let those guys. But you started that, and you can try and go out and book somebody yourself. But you know, a club owner doesn't know what 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 they're doing. Duff, right. do, you, do you know anything about the Rock House uh, or the Brower House in in, in Lombard? 
the only reason I bring it up is it just recently that that's how weird the bar business is because one minute you you have a liquor license and you have a band booked and the next thing you know it just got sold and everything's canceled and we're going to rework things <laughs> is that has well, that ever happened uh, to you two guys, Michael Yerke and uh, Duff Rice? It, it may have a, like a really long time ago, but at this point, um, no. Uh, I'd well, say more. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a you know at this at the, the thing. Mostly, we're going into places that exist, some that we own, some that we you know like we do a lot of shows at places like Chicago Theater and Madison Square Garden and places we don't own. Um, and I mean, look, once in a while, it probably is, it probably is something where there, you know, could be that kind of issue could be, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it happens once in a great while. I haven't encountered it in forever. Yeah. Yeah. Probably more in line of like a place that was, has like a grand opening plan on a specific date and maybe doesn't get all their permits or um, just isn't ready by an anticipated date. And, and, you know, these days, you know, things are booked further and further out. Like you, you know, I'm confirming and, and feel like uh, we're late on a few of these tours that for the fall already, right? Like we're just clearing, having a hard time clearing all the dates and would have loved to have been doing this in December for dates playing in, you know, September, October, November. So that would probably be the only thing if you, you book a place that's supposed to be open and maybe it just, they don't, whatever, maybe the construction fell behind, maybe they don't get their permits, but that'd probably be the thing that I might encounter from time to time more than a place going out of business. Or the deposits earned in. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we're a pretty decent sized company. So yeah. uh, the check's clear, you know, <laughs> Duff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, we had one of the first shows at the Salt Shed for Q101 with uh, Bush, and there was there was a chance that the they were telling us that it, it we'd have to push it back because they weren't their their construction timeline was there was some some issues with the Salt Shed, but it ended up getting all resolved and everything opened on time, and they didn't have everything complete, but it wasn't stuff that was you know noticeable or or important to to a show and and you've so you've had experience like marathons stuff like that in setting something up where i'm going is you do a lot of festivals and if it's a new festival you want to see more of a history or something before you're going to commit a a a, a band to it cuz generally those are the ones that could go south on you pretty quick is that true yeah yeah we just took on a big event this year Taser Randolph um which has a you know 20, 27th year, 28th year now, long history. Um, but it, it, it's it been kind of mismanaged over the past few years. So really our core business at Duff Entertainment now has evolved into more like logistics and setting up events. We do everything from marketing the event, sponsoring the event, booking the talent, but also the permitting and setting up the event, the labor, um, you know, Scoop the nuts, as we say, you know, of everything. So our, our core business has kind of evolved more into the management of a overall management of, of the event as opposed to talent dying or talent. Would you expand out of the Chicagoland area? Um, we have from time to time, and we've been in Michigan and Indiana doing events here and there. But um, 
quite frankly, we're probably too busy to, to expand right. anywhere else. <laughs> All right. Michael Yerke, on the other side of things, the sphere. OK, they put that two billion thing together and, uh, you know, it's it's essentially I mean, it's a separate company, but it's really yeah. run by Dolan, who owns Madison Square Garden and okay. Chicago Theater and uh, okay. the um, and a couple other theaters in um, the Beacon in New York and Radio City Music Hall. And then they also own the Ranger Tech, the um, I'm sorry, the New York Rangers and the Knicks. And so a big, big conglomerate. But that's, I, I believe, a separate publicly traded company. Um, so, you know, Live Nation has thus far produced the the couple of you know u2's been the only act in there yeah, um, yeah. and then the fish is coming up and then dead and company is coming up so i haven't seen it yet i'm i'm actually hoping to go there in april um not be you know not because i'm the biggest fish fan or not but it's just maybe a time where i could get there yeah. based on my schedule because i really want to see it i've heard nothing but phenomenal things there's probably been a hundred people in our company who have been there and and friends that I've helped uh, buy tickets, helped them get tickets for it. And everyone just come away completely blown away and said it's unlike anything they've ever seen. I've yet yeah. to experience myself. Well, of course I haven't. Duff? It's on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah. yeah it looks too. great. I, I, I've driven by it, but I've not been in it. Does that raise the bar for other venues that are in decent climates like Vegas? Uh, well, I think that place is so and again i haven't seen it yet but i've seen a million videos that that is so over the top it would be hard to really think i think there's a pretty good gap between any other venue from an arena standpoint or or you know a a club standpoint because it's i think it's like twenty thousand people right so you know it's a big big you know venue i've heard it's seven stories high i believe when i was talking to somebody just last week about it yeah, I mean, there's only so many artists that can really fill it up, but it's also, I think it's probably one of those venues that punches above its weight, meaning that, you know, the act might sell more tickets because they're playing there, um, because the experience will be unlike anything else they'll yeah. see the artists on tour, whether they're playing at Tinley Park or United Center, right? That's going to be a very different experience. And, um, and then it's also, you know, a destination to go to Vegas and whether you like it or not, I'm not a gambler. So, you know, I've, I go to Vegas enough for, for business from time to time, but I don't, I don't go to the gamble, but still like, you know, they're, you know, they were trying to build one in London. Um, I think it got voted down by the city council or the neighborhood, whatever. It seems like based on the cost of it, at least currently, there's probably only a couple of cities in the world that it could possibly be i could i could envision it being somewhere in you know in the middle east you know whether it's dubai or qatar mm-hmm. or something like that but okay i i think it's it's supposed to be spectacular well it does it does help to have a nice place to you know play play into and that looks pretty i mean nice. we yeah it looks great i mean <laughs> and look you know there's it, this is not like my saying but you know yeah. you you build a better mousetrap right you know and if you have a great venue and there's, there's instances of venues across the country, some of ours, some are not where they're just, they're really great rooms. And, and it, it, it sells more tickets because the fans and the artists like playing there. You know, I think of one I went to recently last summer, uh, MGM music hall at Fenway park, which is uh, uh, one of our venues. And it's, it's spectacular. And I understand why, 
sells a lot of tickets. I understand why want a lot of bands want to play there. Um, and again, there's other places like that across the country that just, you know, they just sell more. They're in good markets. The, the teams do a good job and the venues are, are good. Duff, it's sort of like Wrigley Field and, and what yeah. the did. It's creating a community of things. It's like, if you don't want to watch the game, you can do this and you have this whole center and they're going to drain every single dollar out of your pocket. I can't even recognize Wrigley Field anymore. <laughs> but but, you, but that's a great analogy, right? The Cubs are not always, you know, they're not yeah. always leading their division, but yet they sell out, right? Because of the experience of going to Wrigley and people want to go there and they've heard about it for years. And but, if you don't live there, hey, I want to make it, make sure I make a pilgrimage to Wrigley at some point. Well, Fenway, Cubby Bear way. even, Cubby yeah, Cubbyberry. Even like when we first started there, Pete, the, the competition there was there wasn't much, you know. What I mean, for what we were doing, and then over time, new venues come up and they have like the state of the art sound and st stage, and they're not, you know, they're not having to deal with Cubs post game parties and all the other stuff. And like it's dedicated to to music, and the venues keep getting better and better and better. You know, even now, like Salt Shed comes along, and it's like. Aragon has to go and do a remodel and everybody else has to catch up to to the south shed so so that they can be competitive how, how much is it like jam's still around right mm -hmm. okay so you that's a competitor that's got to be a competitor yeah okay yeah. so I, i'm just going back to the days and we'll bring up brad altman again sometimes he raises his little head up why? out of earth to uh why do you have to bring him up i don't understand <laughs> Because he takes all the credit for overpaying for all the bands that George paid for. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is that a strategy? Can that be done anymore? Yes. Sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Depending on what your ancillary revenue is. I mean, it can be a strategy. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, is it how successful in the long run? Hard to say, but um, yeah. I mean, look, and overpay, here's the one thing I'm going to say is yeah. overpay is a very relative term, right? Because it's a free market. So if, you know, one promoter offers X and another offers Y and thinks that they're worth it, are they overpaying? I don't know. I mean, they're paying more than you. If you don't get it, you say they're overpaying, but, but you know, if, if they get the show and it is successful in whatever metrics they de deem it be successful, then are they really overpaying? I don't know. Um, you know, you're probably only overpaying when it's not successful, then you made a bad deal. But if it, if it's successful on some given metric that you have to measure success, then I, they may not be overpaying. Well, if you throw in a bid now, I'm getting ahead of my skis here with 20 years old knowledge here, but if you put it mm -hmm. in a bid and you make them pay more, they're going to say, I, we're not going to route, we're going to, they'll tell the band, we're not going to route you through this and this, if you play there. I don't know if that goes on Duff, does it? Uh, I'm not sure what you mean. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I just know that, like, to Michael's point, the overpaying to, to you know, we we paid more to get shows a lot of times because that's the only way that they would play for us. And so more times than not, we were successful in it. There, you know, to Michael's point, the few that cool runnings that didn't happen very well, you know. <laughs> Yeah, those were bloodbaths. But well, Mike, I, I would say that everybody, you know, Live Nation included, has lost. So you got to, you got to. Yeah, no one bats hundred percent. No one bats hundred percent. No. Nobody. No, you're playing. The, you're playing percentages, right? Yeah. 
the look the only way you won't lose money is if you don't spend any money yeah and you you know you hope that you don't get you know your losses aren't greater than than your gains but no one no one bets 100 percent in this business and if they do they're lying yeah they're, no and if, if George is listening to this, I do want to thank him for 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 supporting me all, over all these years and you know giving me the the leash that that we had to do all that and I cut my teeth. So in case he is watching this, I want to thank him for that. George, thanking you as well, <laughs> Mike. Same here. <laughs> yeah, I would. No, no, I I tell Absolutely. people if they ask me like on some of my start like. You know, I tell like I was at Avalon and went to China come on to Cubby Bear. And honestly, part of the reasons why I went to Cubby Bear was I wanted to eventually learn more on the about real estate. And George was um was really great. I think and Duff, I don't speak for you, but like I felt like he spent a lot of time, you know, if you asked him questions about real estate stuff, I think he was very uh willing yeah. to discuss it and encourage it. And you know, I bought a couple buildings and rehabbed it and stuff like that. And you know, his Me too. when he bought into cubby bear in that neighborhood it was nothing nothing like it is now he took a you know he took risk early on and then continued to buy as you know buy up buildings buy up lots and and uh and did very well and by the way deserves that success no he's yeah. been a hell of a mentor yeah yeah ditto i bought buildings too and and uh flipped them you know he actually told me not to flip them but um <laughs> you know my wife had other ideas we ended up selling them but th thanks to him he he steered me in the yeah. right direction so yeah well it's uh everybody's got to do a tour through that place now you know george he's you know looking at his coin collection right now i know you are george i know you are <laughs> but you you have you have stacy uh taking care of things over there it's a nice family business he's nick and costa are both involved too um more yeah. on the real estate, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a hell of a, and we did a show with uh, George. We'll put the link right here. Maybe we'll do another update with him uh, back on. But uh, isn't it nice to be over COVID? Are we all over yes. it now? Okay. I, yeah. What, I mean, look, it, it was it was it was terrible for our business, right? As as a whole. Yeah. Um, but I I don't know can't say this exactly but i mean i do think since covid happened i think people crave experiences whether they're concerts whether it's yeah. you know sporting events or whether it's taking a trip or a hike or whatever i do think people have a deeper appreciation for those things when especially when they weren't available in most parts of the world and, and definitely most parts of the you know united states so i think people relish that i think you also have people that are you know that whether they're younger and they want to go to a festival or when they're older and they want to see Billy Joel one more time or whatever. Right. I mean, like they're in, you know, I just think people go, wow, man, some of these guys might not be around and I might want to go see them, you know, Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks, and, yeah, yeah. and a lot of them are great. Right. And so, um, you know, and good for them that they're out there still doing it and being people still want to see them play. So yeah. Mr. Mr. Yerke, who do you want to, uh, Give a shout out to that's traveling through that our audience would like to buy some tickets for coming and up. Who is this up and comer you're bringing up? I have no idea who you're talking about. Uh, okay. He's not as much of an up and comer now, Noah Khan, okay. because he okay. sold out Alpine Valley uh, okay. mm -hmm. on the pre-sale. That's 30,000 tickets. But um, And he sold out two nights at Fenway Park, uh, 70,000 tickets uh, <laughs> on the pre-sale, and he was nominated for Best New Artist. But well, there, Pete. if you get a chance... 
see him. If you can find a ticket somewhere, you probably can't. Um, But uh, there's other, you know, there's other people that I'm working with in the balance of the fall. Bleachers is a band that I really love and and working with, but um, they're not playing in the Chicagoland area on this particular run of dates, but I'll have shows with uh, Dayglo and Coin and um, uh, Kaleo. So yeah, there's a lot of of great artists. Any of those bands you just brought up is like, hey, pay attention to this one. Um, honestly, I think all of them have a real chance of breaking through, but the reality is, is it's hard to break through and become, let's say an arena, you know, stadium level artist. But I think that, I think, um, I think coin and Daglo, And I think, I think bleachers has a really great shot because Jack Antonoff, who's the leader of bleachers. Um, he also has produced the, the last three Taylor Swift records. And if you were watching the Grammys at all, he was sitting at the table next to her. So every time they won, so he won best, you know, producer of the year, three years in a row, she's there hugging him the whole time. Like she's next to him and Jack's just, he's really, he's, he's a, he's a great writer. He's a great producer. He produces a lot of stuff. He produced Lana Del Rey's record, which was also nominated for uh, a Grammy as long as well as Taylor Swift and the 1975. So he's just, He's awesome. And I, I think he deserves, um, I think he deserves to break through in a big way. He has the big arena rock songs and, you know, his audience varies, whether it's, you know, 3000 to six or 7,000 tickets in, in a lot of markets, but he deserves to break through and become like an arena level act. Hopefully. And I hope he does. Duff, what kind of festivals you got going on? I know it's a side business, blah, 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 but I'm here to help you out because there's four people listening right now. Yeah, may or may minimally, minimally tickets. four, minimally four. <laughs> Side business. <laughs> Make it sound like I'm like got some like Matt Ruge side business going on on BB King selling scalping tickets out in front of Cubby Bear. <laughs> Too no, many inside. Too many inside. Chocolate, <laughs> chocolate fest. I hear there's some good chocolate. chocolate Long Grove Chocolate Fest in May, but Taste of Randolph is June 14, 15, 16. That's that's our kind of like uh, flag big flagship event this summer, besides Windy City Smokeout, which is another one if you like country. But those are our top two events that I would I would strongly recommend going and attending. You can find the links right here. And then Bongo Mike with the mosquitoes. Joe's live when? This Friday, March 1st, 7.30 p.m. Be there. Be there. Be square. We, we're we're going to rock it up right before the old uh, Pink Floyd <laughs> extravaganza. Lots of In the flesh. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mike Kierke, Duff Rice, Bongo Mike. Thanks, man. Another All episode right, of the Hog Pod Podcast. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Great, great insight. See you All too. Right. Yeah. Well, have a good rest of your day. All right. Or take it easy. Bye. Bye. Hey, Duff, take it easy. Let's play golf this summer. Doesn't he look good? All right, man. Yeah, Yeah, let's do it. Thank you.